Please always consult with your physicians prior to making any changes to your treatment plan. Music is courtesy of Ryan Hamner. Welcome to Living with Scanxiety, the cancer podcast, a podcast geared to help you navigate the pediatric cancer world. As a mother of a child who battled a soft tissue sarcoma for over a year, your host, Rosaria Kozar, understands and will help guide you through your journey. She brings the knowledge of experts, families, survivors, and other organizations tied to the pediatric cancer world to your doorstep. Her mission is to inform, support, and promote hope for you and your family. This is where hope lives. This is where hope thrives. Together as one we... Kind of is dependent on the child, so... Um... We want kids to feel normalized when they're in the hospital because it's not a normal experience for them. Um, so anything that we can do to help provide them with some esteem building activities to make them feel like themselves um, is one of our ultimate goals. Hi, this is Rosaria. And today we're going to be talking about why child life is so important and what a child life specialist does, because even to today, I know my child Brody had a child life specialist, but I'm still kind of curious as to what other things they do than play with a child. So I have Katie Taylor here, and she is a certified child life specialist, and she has been working in hospitals children's hospitals for over 10 years now. She's also a podcast host, and we'll talk about that later, and an author. So welcome to the show, Katie. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. We're so happy to have you. So (laughs) I hear all about child life and people majoring or going into child life, but I don't know anything other than them playing little games. Now, maybe it's because my child was three, but what does a child life specialist do? Yeah, it's a great question because we'll have a lot of people walk up to us and be like, oh, I wish that I had your job. You know, you just get to play with kids all day. And well, yes, we are lucky and play is a huge part. Um, There's also a lot of different components that obviously go into the play and why it's motivated and, you know, just where it comes from. So um, kind of the the big thing that child life specialists are is we're psychosocial support for children and family in the hospital. So whatever child walks in, no matter how minor or how major their issue may be, they're constantly on our radar. So we are experts in child development um, so that we can perform proper assessments with patients. Um, and so what we do is we have, um, you have to have a degree in child life or a related field. Um, there's a 600 hour internship that you go through after that. Um, and then you can sit to be certified for the exam. So we have an overarching association that we pay dues to and has our exam. And then we have to keep up continuing education credits every five years. So that's kind of what a child life specialist, how you get into the field. Um, but we, we do a lot of things play being centered around it because we know kids learn best through play. Um, But we do a lot of other education and community outreach and other things like that too. That's great. So when I I picked up on the word learn, so learn from play. So what type of learning experiences are you expecting a child to get out of child life? Yeah. So it kind of is dependent on the child. So um, 
we want kids to feel normalized when they're in the hospital because it's not a normal experience for them. Um, so anything that we can do to help provide them with some esteem building activities to make them feel like themselves um, is one of our ultimate goals. Um, we may do some directed medical play, which means we're trying to introduce the child either to a diagnosis that they have or a procedure that they're about to go through or something that has happened in the past um, to kind of gather an assessment about any misconceptions that may be in the child's brain or um, I, I've told this story before, but I once was preparing a kiddo for um, a uh, surgery and I was showing him a picture of the operating room prior to going in. And we had these, I had a picture of the operating room lights because I think it's really important when you roll into this operating room, those are the first things you see. And I said, do you know what these are? And he said, those are the daggers that are going to shoot inside my body. And you know, how, how terrifying to be a child. And it's, what if you rolled in that OR? So we're just, what we could do then is maybe play with something that looks like those lights. So we could get out Play-Doh and start looking at the OR lights. So, you know, just kind of always keeping these things in mind, um, education, normal, normalization, um, and just some mastery um, is where really what we use the, the play uh, for. Oh, wow. That sounds like a really good, the role play. I mean, I know yeah. for my son, when he was going to have the amputation, the child life specialist took a bear and he had the bear for a week and then they removed, they did this like, I don't know. They removed the leg to kind of show like what was going to happen to him. Uh, it was still a shock to him, but I think it did help. So those are the types of things that you would work with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's a, that's a difficult experience that you guys went through, but um, gosh, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, um, it was bad, but um not about me, about you. So <laughs> we want to focus on child life tonight. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, right now we're going through COVID, but if there wasn't, if somebody wants to listen to this episode and we're beyond COVID, I think we should still know what you do in times like COVID. So what are you doing right now? Yeah, that's a good question. So things are different in the hospital right now because playrooms are closing, right? Because we can't be in public spaces together. So um, we love the idea of a playroom being like a center point for a child's hospital experience because it's a safe place where procedures don't happen. You can't take medicine in there. Um, it's strictly for play. Um, and then it's uh, nice when you can have another patient come into the playroom and then maybe the parents can meet and you can kind of form a sense of community. Um, but right now, not only can we not go to the playroom and meet other people, um, but parents aren't able to meet each other either. So that's when I think virtual things like your podcast and the Child Life on Call podcast are important because that's the way that we're all connecting. Um, so what we try to do um, is just what we normally do, and we break down what uh, is happening. Um, we look at the child's development, get an assessment about where they're at and what information would be helpful to them, and then we continue to explain that. So I've really taken on a lot of the COVID pandemic stuff and thinking about, all right, let's let's break this down. So it's a really scary thing, not just for kids, but for adults and basically everyone in the world. Our, everything has changed. Um, so 
what we want to do is break it down into a concept that kids can understand. And so one thing they can understand is the spread of germs. They're, they've gotten strep throat before, they've gotten the cold, they've gotten the flu, and this is another version of that, although it's something different that we've never had before. But what's one thing we can do to empower kids? We can say, you can wash your hands, you can wear your mask. Okay, so what we want to do is just constantly be promoting these things that kids can take charge of. Because in a world of where you can't do a lot about what's happening on the outside, we can control what's happening on the inside. Um, that's kind of why I, I wrote the book, uh, The Super Silly Wash Your Hands Stands book. Um, because it's really those young ages where the germs are spread a lot because they're constantly touching this and that. And I wanted to empower kids in a really fun um, and kind of a, a like a little energe energetic and engaging way um, to wash their hands. So and you can get that on Amazon, right? Yeah, that's, that's on Amazon. Yeah. Um, it's super short, super simple. It's great for preschool. Um, and even my toddler um, does a super silly wash your hands dance when she's washing her hands. You know, it's just, it's thinking outside the box about um, things that we can do to control in a, in a time where we feel like we can't control anything. <laughs> and do you do this type of stuff with neutropenic patients? Or, no, I, I think that's such a, a good point because I've had families say to me, like, welcome to our world, people. This is the world we live in. Um, if you have a neutropenic child who can't go out in the world and you can't have people come over they have been living in this existence for forever um and so it's just now everybody's kind of getting um used to what they're going through so there is kind of a level of empathy too now to understand what it feels like to be isolated in your home from your family from parks from the grocery store um those families have been living that life um that's it's another great way to to use the book for young kids too people do want to come over and you do want to venture out into the world. It's just a good way to, to empower kids to do it. Okay. So right now it's more like person to person rather than having an open room. Is that fair to say? Yeah. So, um, child life is of course taking all the precautions necessary, um, and also trying to conserve PPE. So um, when it's called for, child life specialists are absolutely going in rooms and seeing neutropenic patients, um, wearing all the proper precautions, of course, um, or even doing some virtual FaceTime things. Um, oh, okay. Um, so uh, we have uh, glass windows, um, glass, what am I trying sliding doors so that I can see the patient inside the room. So what I've done too is I've stood outside the glass and I've made a call <laughs> from my phone to their hospital room phone. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at each other and we're talking. Oh, cool. Uh, but I'm not actually in the room and I'm conserving PPE if need be. Um, another, that's when window markers come in great. I love the glass doors for that way. So the child can have a marker. I can have a marker. We can play tic-tac-toe together, right? But we're kind of keeping that that distance between us. That's fantastic. I would have never even thought that. Okay. Well, it's it's interesting because it. What else does that do? It's normalizing the environment. It's also getting the child out of bed, right? Mm -hmm. So they're in their room, so it can be real easy to just want to stay in that bed all day. But that's not what's best, right? Getting a little bit of a routine. So if you can count on that three p.m. appointment to play tic tac toe, you're out of your bed. That's something to look forward to. But then we're also um, encouraging those routines for families too. I always say like, if you're stuck in a room, make sure you're turning on the lights in the morning, right? You're following some sort of a schedule. You get up, you brush your teeth, 
just the things that make you feel normal um, are important to practice when you're isolated in one room. Absolutely. Well, uh, the kids are definitely lucky to have you. And you also have the podcast Child Life On Call. Do you want to tell me how that started? And uh, anything else you want to mention about it? Yeah. So um, when I became a mom, um, I, I realized how vital the parent's role is in supporting the child. So child life specialists can do as much as we can, but if the parent doesn't feel empowered or engaged and feels lost and the, the child is not going to have a lot of success. So for me as a child life specialist, I really want to empower parents because we're not going to go home with you guys. <laughs> we're not going to be able to be in your ear giving you words to say. So I really want to concentrate on educating the family as a whole. Um, so when I started working at the hospital I'm at now, it's a really small hospital. We have a six-bed ICU and about a 10-bed med surge. And I was with a, a mom, um, and she had, uh, I think, maybe a three-week-old infant who had meningitis. And she, we were sitting in the room. It was very dark. And she just cried and looked at me. And she said, I just, I feel like I'm the only person that's ever gone through this before. She felt so isolated. And because we were a smaller hospital and now in COVID, it kind of makes sense as well. Um, we didn't have like the, the coffee cart for parents or the playroom to go to or any kind of social gatherings because we were just small. Um, so I thought, what's one way that parents can not feel as isolated? And I was like, a podcast is the perfect way to do that. Um, I'm so used to talking with families and, and providing some insight and expertise when I can. Um, so that's really how the podcast was born was that one experience. And if you guys want to get information on any of the links that we talked about, including a link to Katie's podcast, you can go to www.livingwithscanxiety.org backslash show notes and everything that she has, including her website, which she's going to give you the address to right now, uh, will be up there. Yeah, so it's www.childlifepodcast.com. That was easy. That one's a good one, easy one to remember, too. <laughs> yeah. um, my social channels, it's just all Child Life on Call. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us here at Living with Scanxiety. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, and um, thank you for doing what you're doing, too. You're doing an amazing platform, and Scanxiety is real. It is real. <laughs> It is real. It is real. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Living with Scanxiety. Please subscribe to hear more informative discussions like today's. Music is courtesy of Ryan Hamner. 